In the second part of our interview with IOSH President Stuart Hughes, Joanne Perry, editor of IOSH magazine, asks him what challenges he foresees for OSH in 2024, and they discuss a very special new podcast series. I think what we have now is sort of a, I guess, a, a very a mixed world of work where we do still have some very traditional working environments like mining operations, oil and gas type thing, people driving vehicles. And then at the same time, we we have the super sophisticated AI digital kind of operating world. How can we keep people safe in a more digitalized era? Um, Well, I think people get a bit frightened of new technologies, don't they? And I kind of always kind of work backwards, if you like. So, um, you know, will autonomous vehicles replace cars? Well, they might do for a large proportion of, of the population, but people still ride horses. So, you know, when the first motor car came, I'm sure everybody that rode a horse thought, wow, that's just going to take over the world. And whilst it's dominant, the people still do those things. And if you think about, you know, the radio still exists, yet you've had the TV, yet you've had the internet, yet you've got YouTube and all of these developments, you know, some of those original technologies are still present and vital for people. Um but to, to answer the question, I think, how do we protect people in a, in, a, in a digital age? I think that what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that regulation provides that framework so that new technology is implemented for the benefit of workers rather than being a, a kind of punitive tool. Um, and I think if we write legislation and standards in the right way, we can make sure that new technology is, you know, it enables efficiencies, it enables innovation and it enables the reduction of harm. So I think it's, you know, it, it, it's important for us to um, probably, you know, we need to be in the conversation, don't we? We need to be making sure that we're aware of these, the implications of these changes in technology and the developments of things like AI um, and other technological developments and, and say, actually, how can these be best utilised to to reduce harm? Um, and have you know probably the the best societal impact that they can, um, and I think that's that's really the challenge that that we're faced at the moment. Um, you know, the cat's out the bag, isn't it? With AI, it's been around for a while, but it's now become you know more commonplace. Um, it's probably people are a bit more exposed to it. Um, Chat GPT had probably one of the fastest signups of, of of anything ever. Um, you know, if you compare it to like TikTok and YouTube and those things, it, it, it annihilated it in terms of people's engagement. Now, you know, how do we best utilise that? You know, and it's it's not just a challenge in safety; it's a challenge in education. It's a challenge in the work environment. It's a challenge in how do you protect? You know. Um, vulnerable people, um, children, etc. You know, so the, it, it's a societal question and we have to own our piece of that as to how it best influences the world of work. And how do you think we can protect people in hybrid and remote working situations? I, I think, I mean, yeah, I think there's a, there's, there's a few parts on this, isn't there? I think we have to, um, we have to make sure that, you know, we treat people as grown-ups um to be able to um you know 
set themselves up for success in their own environments. I think one of the biggest challenges with remote and hybrid is actually, um, you know, connectivity with people. So we're social creatures. Um, I heard a really moving story last week about um, a young lady who um, had thoughts of ending her own life and she'd been remote working for a while um, and she came into the office and three small interactions with people where they said you know it's really good to see you we haven't seen you for a while if you're back here next week we should go for coffee or lunch you know and those were the things that you know ultimately stopped her from from you know going through with with her intentions and i think that we need to make sure that we're um you know, we don't just think, oh, well, half of our workforce is, you know, is remote and they're just, you know, chewing through their work and we don't don't engage with them and, and keep contact with them. So I think, you know, the psychological and mental side of things is really, really important for us to get hold of. Um, so I think we just need to, we need to understand how we balance those things effectively and how we keep um, our communities of people connected. Obviously, for some people, those things really, really work. Whether it's in in the gig economy or whether it's in you know a, a hybrid or remote working scenario, it works for their lifestyle and it, it you know it reduces some pressures and challenges that they have elsewhere. So, I think we have to we have to understand you know the individual needs and how they meet with the organisational needs and then how best to deploy their effective controls. Um, you know that, that satisfy all parties and that it's challenging um to say the least but i think we also have to um we have to know that we have to adapt those things because they will need to bend and flex to to meet people's needs and i think that's the that's the biggest challenge for the for the profession as a whole is is that piece of agility where you say actually how do we create something that has enough of a i suppose it it's a scaffolding so that you can get you can let people freely move, you know, um, within the center of it and all the way up to the edges, but not beyond it. And I think that's probably how we need to think about framing um, those challenges. It's interesting because there are implications now, but also over the longer term. So um, obviously the world of work changed dramatically in 2020. um, But if you think about the younger workers now coming into employment, or in a few years' time coming into employment, those could be people who've never had a history of being in an office with 20, 30, 40, 50 people. And that thing of, well, the daily grind, where it's Monday to Friday, you're sitting in the office for eight hours or more with everybody. And you and you know those people. You, you know the guy who has the cheese sandwich every day or he goes jogging in the morning, whatever. And you, you've got your... I mean, I used to consider my colleagues to be like my second family because in fact, I spent more time with my colleagues than my family. Um, and I have some very fond memories of my time in offices where, you know, stuff happened, funny things happened, bad, stupid things happened, stressful things happened, things that should never have happened, happened. Um, <laughs> and all of that was like part of the fabric of my life and the working environment that we had. So at some stage, we're going to have people working who've never had that sense of being all together in something um and they've just started with the hybrid or remote working situation and there's surely all kinds of implications in terms of communication the psychology of it how that's going to affect work their well-being i mean it's it's just massive isn't it 
it is massive and i think you've what you're finding with with the generations that are, are coming in and and you know about to come into the world of work one um they've got higher expectations of employers um they have less of a um job for life mentality um they you know will tell you if they don't like something um they're quite happy to leave and and go somewhere else um and i think people will I think people will be aligning themselves with organisations that have, you know, um, I suppose aligned values and and and, and ethical principles, um, which means that you know there's challenges on organisations for, you know, how they cater for for those people. I think the the generational um, the stretch of generations within work is is obviously a challenge. You've got in some countries you know people working you know probably much longer than they'd anticipated due to some of the challenges from you know financial positions um so you've got this mix of 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 generations and how do you encourage those people to uh you know communicate to learn from one another um you know people's past experience is beneficial for those coming in um you know Irish is doing quite a good job with this actually so they're they're, they've got um you know a kind of three-phase mentoring program so um a more experienced person can mentor someone along their professional journey to take them through to chartership or fellowship um but they're also doing a reverse mentoring program where you know those younger generations that are coming into work are aligning themselves with people that are perhaps towards the end of their career and helping them understand some of the new technologies or you know some of that probably um shift in thinking and actually i think those are the things that are really powerful um you know i think what we want to be doing is is um you know being able to generate communities within within workspaces so that people feel valued appreciated no matter what kind of age and stage they are in their career um and actually those things i think the 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 greater the the value or kind of um care you you feel you receive from an organization the more you're prepared to put into it so actually it it's it's got a kind of a beneficial it's equally beneficial so i think they're they're challenges that we have to face that we're going to have to face and i'm sure that you know people at the top of organizations today are are, are thinking about that in kind of five ten years in the future like what does that look like how do we best serve the needs um and still deliver what ultimately we're trying to do um you know from an organizational perspective so i don't have any of the answers for it it's um i think it's really it's a fascinating time and i think actually you know as a as a professional it's something that you kind of in engage with um i think you have to remove the stereotypes and things and actually you know as with anything how do you treat people how you treat people as an individual then how you treat people in their groups um makes a massive difference to you know the respect that they give you for what you're trying to achieve and and deliver in in your work environment so i think that that piece of actually being empathetic um and you know understanding you know the human condition is a really important part of being a successful osh professional in the future IOSH are doing, you know, great work in in this space in terms of bringing generations together, um, and we're doing that through our mentoring platform. So, um, not only does a more experienced person, you know, mentor somebody, um, you know, through their professional journey to chartership or to to fellowship, 
um, we're actually bringing, um, I suppose, the early career, early stage career people together with those towards the end of their career and doing reverse mentoring so that actually you're learning from those people coming new into the profession with new ideas or um, new viewpoints on how things go. And actually that transfer of knowledge in a two-way direction is, is, is really useful. And I think that actually that's what we probably need to do within within organizations is work out how to improve the social cohesion um, along this you know, kind of increasing generational span um, to bring people together I think ultimately to help them understand the commonalities that they have um, and also to understand you know where some of those differences are but perhaps see things from from other people's positions so you know that that I think um, is you know we're doing very well and I think it's an important piece of work to to highlight and you know I know I've learned a lot from from being mentored and from being a mentor um my mentees teach me things all the time um and those people that you know I asked to help me along my journey um have, have definitely you know been full of encouragement and challenge which I think is you know significantly important and besides your objectives as president what would you say are your special interests or what fascinates you about this line of work? Um, uh, people, but predominantly, um, I find people fascinating. Um, human performance, particularly, is something I'm really interested in and, and human factors. Um, I'm studying a master's in organisational psychology at the moment. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, leadership and change and I suppose the the kind of well-being agenda so you know how do we optimize work environments to help people perform and at their best and and thrive and how does that have you know a positive impact into into broader society so yeah those are probably the key the key things for me I'm really interested in like the leadership shadow um you know what people say and how they act and what they do and, and the implications that has in, in people's workforce. Um, we we do, uh, in my day job, um, we do um, team briefings where we'll get the entire team together. And periodically, you can see, you know, a leader will stand up and they'll have, you know, brown chinos on or grey chinos on and then, you know, for three days following that, there'll be a, a cohort of people who have, you know, dressed identically so things like that fascinate me um so yeah the, i think humans um you know why we take risks why we do the things that we do um you know that innovation piece of you know pushing the limits and, and seeing you know what we're capable of they're they're all bits that fascinate me and i kind of apply those things in a in a work context and that's what keeps me fascinated in the role to be honest with you Mm-hmm. It does sound very interesting. I'm amazed you managed to fit in all of that and studying as well on top of the multiple day jobs and speaking to IOSH podcast. Well, I've put I've actually put um, I've put my second year on hold um, of my master's to do my presidential term, um, and then I'm picking that up when it when it completes. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a very fine balancing act to try and um, I suppose live your values, um, make sure you have you know, a life and your family are, um, have the time and attention that they need, that you're giving, you know, everything that you can to work and um, that you also do the best in the role for IOSH. And I think I've, it was kind of quite clear in my handover speech, like, you know, in, in the order of things for me, like my, 
you know my my role is to look after my family my work is the is the thing that pays the bills and lets me enjoy my quality of life so that has to have my attention and then you know the additional role from a from an IOSH perspective in that voluntary position is to do the best I can um with what I've got there um you know so it's about compromise it's about using your energy effectively and I think it's about um you know, there's a whole team of people in the presidential teams and they're all highly capable individuals they've all got a lot of talent to bring and it's making sure that as a team we're as effective as possible so that we spread the workload out amongst us and that um you know collectively we're highly highly visible rather than it just feeling like it's you know a single person at, at the front of the organization and i think if you if you manage that effectively then you're able to do to do a good job and you know use technology to your advantage um the fact that we can you know rather than being physically present at all of the branches or sector groups and things you can you can connect into those you know for for an hour or for half an hour to to talk and and, and meet the membership and connect with people um we're utilizing linkedin and short videos to communicate the work that's been been happening um and also through council we are um you know moving things to a quarterly update so that actually it's more it's more manageable for people to keep up with what's going on we're only asking for time and attention periodically to to in, to engage and to hear the updates from council um because we've got to be respectful that you know everybody's got a life and, and a day job and you know those things are you know equally as important so yeah it's a challenge um but i think you know I love I love being busy. I'm I'm a I'm a busy person. Um I think, you know, I enjoy the the pressure of things to you know, to push things forward. Um and I think as long as you know that you're doing all of these things for the for the right endeavors and and you know, trying to make a small difference, then then you're on the right track, aren't you? You know, this taking on this role isn't about isn't about me it's about how do we help the profession um how do we benefit the membership in the best way possible and ultimately how do we improve um the image of occupational safety and health in in the hearts and minds of of society is there anyone who inspires you whether it's within osh or perhaps a business leader um loads to be honest with you i don't um I suppose I wouldn't kind of go down the role of saying like I've got any heroes in Osh. I think, you know, for me the 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 heroes in in safety are the people that challenge the status quo. They're the people that stand up for workers' rights. You know, everybody that's ever whistleblown, um, they're a hero in my eyes because that's really hard to do. And um, you know, they're the people that actually, you know, say this isn't this isn't just and something needs to change. And they make a stand. And I think those those people are. Are super impressive um i've got a, a group of very trusted people that i interact with that you know are thinking about how the profession can move forward um so yeah people like um crystal danbury ruth denya uh, ben leg james pomeroy um jonathan gorthup um diane chadwick jones those people they're they're very inspirational to me um Dr. David Gold and Andrew Sharman have been mentors to me, which um, you know I've been very grateful for in in the OSH profession. Um, and then there's people that do things um, 
at Lisa Lynch, you know, the, there wasn't a group of people that were kind of aligned to her thinking in Ireland and she was frustrated. So, you know, there wasn't something that she could see that, that she needed. So she created something. And I think those things are, are, are super impressive. And I'm sure globally, there's lots of people that are doing, you know, interesting meetups, you know, are trying to challenge the, the way that the profession thinks, acts and, and, and behaves. So I think for me, those people. And then from a leadership perspective, like I'm blessed in the organisation that I'm in. Um, I have, um, like my boss is very inspirational. So Paul Mills, our chief people officer is, you know, I've learned a lot from him over the last eight years. And then our COO, Rob Thomas is, is you know, phenomenal. And, and I've learned a lot from working closely with him. Um, Toto is a, a very inspirational leader. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot from conversations and discussions with him. Um, and I think all of those people, so I'm in a really strong melting pot from that position. And then I'm really interested in Stoic philosophy. So I kind of look back in, in history as well and kind of, um, you know, try and take lessons from, you know, the likes of Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and and those pieces. Um, yeah. And then another kind of pastime that I enjoy is reading historical speeches um, and you know, seeing people that have used their words to to change the world. Um, so I think, you know, probably a few different bits of inspiration there. But, you know, you think of somebody like Nelson Mandela and how he used his words um, and changed people's minds and made a difference. And I think that's probably, you know, super powerful. And just finally, would you like to tell us a little bit about the conversations you're going to be having with chief executives and um, that will form a new series within IOSH podcast? Yeah, so um, one of the charges you see around the, around occasionally is that um, people at the top of the organisations don't care about um, their workforce, and I, I don't believe that that's true. So I want to speak to CEOs about um, that perception and how they challenge it and how they feel that that is a, an accusation that's labelled at them. I also want to speak to them to understand what it is that they need from their um, safety professionals Um and what they get currently and so we can identify the gap and work out how to close that um and also i think you know the profession wants its messaging to reach the top of an organization to have the largest impact so how do we do that effectively and i think by talking to people at the top of organizations who you know professionals might not get the opportunity to speak to or hear from uh, on a regular basis um provides us with a really good set of insights to understand how we can um I suppose, have the greatest impact through through our roles within our organisation. So really excited um, about that. I've got some interesting names from some big organisations to speak to. Um, it's going to be a little bit intimidating, I'm sure. Um, but I think it will be full of insight and super valuable for the profession as a whole. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to recording that series and, and pushing that out there for, for the benefit of our members. Do you want to tell us who the first one will be? Yeah, so very excitingly, I've got um, Simon Roberts, who is the CEO of, of Sainsbury's, um, you know, a big, big organisation within the UK. And um, I know that he's done um, some pretty remarkable things throughout COVID for the benefit of, of his workforce. So really looking forward to that conversation. Um, and yeah, we'll I've got um, a CEO from uh, a large construction company. Um, and then, yeah, we're just kind of firming up some of the others. But I think they'll be really insightful conversations. And I think the membership will be able to take a lot um, from hearing from leaders of, of, of big organisations about what they need um, from us as a profession.
Definitely worth tuning in for, I'd say. Stuart, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you for being on IOSH Podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, if any members out there want to connect, please find me on LinkedIn and I'm more than happy to engage. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more conversations on all things safety.